Hello, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. Hello, how are you doing? I am done with my first week of law school. It's definitely been intense, but I like it so far. And yeah, that's all That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm sure it's going to get worse. <laughs> oh boy, I'm sure it's going to get more hectic, but that's okay. That's the point of law school. I really don't have a lot to talk about before I start recording. I usually record these like a week ahead of when they actually come out. So some of the scandals I've seen this week, the biggest one that has come out, it came out, I think, either today or yesterday. It's about people cheating uh, on something in the U.S. Naval Academy physics final, which it says it's an online-based physics final. Interesting. That's that's kind of the scandal news I've seen recently. But yeah, I hope you're doing well, and I think we are just going to dive right into this episode. It's only going to be one part, so you're going to get the full story. This, uh, before, I guess, the last thing I want to say before I start is how much of an appreciation I have for investigative journalism, because this case, based on what I could find, it seemed like it really got sparked by investigative journalism. I don't know if this is like the only thing that brought it forward, but investigative journalism, if it didn't push it all the way forward, it definitely helped bring it to the limelight. The topic for today, it's Walmart and a $282 million global settlement, which you're like, what? How come I didn't hear about this? I didn't either, so don't feel bad. It was also like the Walgreens one. There are kind of some similarities just in the fact of like, it's a major corporation chain store kind of thing. And then... It had a fine of the upper 200 millions. That's really the only connection between the two. I just thought that was kind of interesting. But I had never heard of the Walgreens one or this Walmart one before this. So here you go. We're just going to dive right in. So the way I'm going to start is I'm going to start at the end. So then we can go back to the beginning and work our way through. On June 20th, 2019, really not that long ago, which is why I was surprised that I had never heard of it. The Walmart CEO stated, quote, We're pleased to resolve this matter. Walmart is committed to doing business the right way, and that means acting ethically everywhere we operate, end quote. And that's from uh, Walmart's newsroom page on their official website. So you may be asking yourself, what is the resolved matter that the CEO is talking about in that statement? Well, the issue that they're talking about is a $137.96 million penalty from the U.S. Department of Justice a $144.69 million disgorgement payment for profits plus interest to the United Securities and and Exchange Council, tongue twister. I didn't know what a disgorgement was. A disgorgement payment is, quote, a remedy requiring a party who profits from illegal or wrongful acts to give up any profit made from the illegal activity. And that uh, is from the Legal Information Institute, that definition. So basically it's like you'd, did illegal things to get money, so you have to give that money back. That's basically what it is. 
This global settlement that the CEO is referencing, it resolves a seven-year-plus investigation into the company's, quote, compliance with the U.S. Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, end quote. Here's a quote explaining what that act is. Quote, the Foreign Corruption Practices Act of 1977 was enacted for the purposes of making it unlawful for certain classes of persons and entities to make payments to foreign government officials to assist in obtaining or retaining business, end quote. And that definition comes from the United States Department of Justice. It later goes on to say that you can't bribe with money or anything of value to a person, quote, to a foreign official to influence the foreign official in his or her official capacity, end quote. Basically, don't try and buy people off and you'll be okay. You'll be, you'll be good under this act. Just like, don't do that. That lesson was not adhered to <laughs> in this situation. Before I get started, my main source for this a podcast comes from the Security and Exchanges Commission. In 2019, they released a 14 to 15 page legal government document explaining this whole thing, and they had a lot of important information. So unless I cite a different source, that is where this information is going to be coming from. And if I get direct quotes, I'll make sure to cite them in there as well. So going back to the beginning, at the end of 1990, Walmart had 1,528 stores that generated yearly sales of $26 billion, and that was only within the United States. They were looking to expand, and they first entered uh, into, the, into Mexico in 1991. In 1993, Walmart established Walmart International, and this was headquartered in Bentonville, Arkansas, and it was responsible for overseeing the operations of Walmart outside of the United States. Between 1994 and 1996, they put their names into Brazil and China, and then in 2010, Walmart opened its first Indian wholesale outlet in India. So clearly they were expanding their reach into countries all over the world. Some early corruption warnings that were happening in 2002 to 2003 sometime in there, Walmart got a notice from their China subsidiary that they wanted FCPA training, and that's that act we talked about at the beginning, as well as a quote, detailed policy covering TPIs and joint venture partners for China subsidiary, end quote. Walmart didn't take the initiative to to do this extra training right away. And basically the China subsidiary was just wanting to be more secure and like up to date on the practices of the FCPA, but Walmart didn't take that initiative, which not a good sign. Sometime around June 2003, a potentially suspicious payment was identified from China subsidiaries past. This payment happened in either uh, 1999 or 2000. Quote, the joint venture had entered into an agreement to pay RMB 500,000, which is about 60,000 US dollars, to the landlord of a China subsidiary store for government relationship consulting services and various payments, end quote. And that comes from that SEC document. The reason why it was so suspicious was the permit should not have cost anywhere near that amount of money. So why, like, where did all of that money go, essentially? I don't know. Let's make up a number. Your permit is $10. Where did the $60,000 go if the permit is $10, for example? At the time, 1999-2000, that payment was not looked further into, so it just kind of went under the radar. 
Around October of 2003, China's subsidiary did an internal audit to look at the value of gifts given to Chinese government officials by Chinese subsidiary corporate affairs. So they were looking at the gifts that were given from the employees to government officials in China. It also looked at the money that was given basically like a per diem to Chinese partners of the China subsidiary. The audit concluded that the transactions weren't consistent with corporate policy and that certain quote, China subsidiary anti-corruption related internal accounting controls had weaknesses, end quote. And that quote is again from the SEC document. How did Walmart handle this situation, you may ask? Quote, Walmart did not promptly implement all of China's subsidiary internal audits suggested remedial actions, end quote. So basically... The China subsidiary was like, hey, Walmart, we've got these weaknesses and here are some recommendations that we can put into place and like to make things more secure. And Walmart was like, nah, we can worry about it later. Essentially, not a great attitude to have, in my opinion, or not a great way to handle the situation, in my opinion. So what was Walmart doing about corruption? Around 2002, Walmart wanted to implement a comprehensive anti-corruption compliance and training program, which, cool, that, yeah, good for them, that sounds good. They were drafting this and they were preparing this in 2003. However, it would not be released until March 21st, 2005. So two whole years of drafting. I don't really know how long it takes to draft things like that, but two years seems like a really long time. And then... Around November 2005, quote, the implementation of Walmart's anti-corruption compliance program was formally put on hold until further notice, end quote. So they had this whole goal of anti-corruption policy and training, and then in 2005 in November, they were just like, you know what, we're going to put all that on hold until an undetermined date, which is a very good precursor (laughs) for everything that's about to happen. So now we're going to move over to Mexico. And before I go any further, when I talk about China subsidiary, Mexico subsidiary, that's basically just a subunit of Walmart. So it's still Walmart, but it's um, like in the Volkswagen episode, we talked about how Volkswagen owns Audi and Bugatti. Those are subsidiaries of Volkswagen. That's that's what this is as well. There's Mexico subsidiary, China subsidiary, and others. So just so that's clear, I realize I didn't explain that very well at the beginning. On September 21st, 2005, a former lawyer from a Mexico subsidiary wrote an email to a Walmart lawyer, like high up Walmart lawyer. In part, it said, quote, if you're interested to know confidential details about the way we achieved 300 projects, contact me. For instance, We used to undercover expenses identified with a code known and authorized by the highest levels, also known as the high-up executives. So right away, this this former lawyer is emailing a high-up executive person at Walmart and is like, hey, I've got some dirt on people at Walmart Mexico subsidiary. So at first, Walmart brought in outside counsel to talk with the former lawyer. The former lawyer said that in his last six to seven years in the Mexico subsidiary, there were really strict growth goals, which kind of reminds me of the Volkswagen case that came out last week. They had strong sales goals and they kind of cheated their way around that. So that I thought was kind of interesting. For Mexico subsidiary to meet these strict growth goals, 
they would employ TPIs, otherwise known as gestores, who would sometimes make, quote, improper payments to Mexican government officials to obtain licenses, permits, and other approvals for certain store projects in Mexico, end quote. Like I said earlier, Walmart brought an outside counsel to talk with this former lawyer, and I was, I couldn't really find a clear definition of when this happened, but Walmart switched it from an independent investigation to an in-house investigation. And according to that New York Times article that I mentioned earlier by Bartstow in 2012, it said it was at first, quote, an independent spare no expense investigation that was recommended, end quote. But then Walmart leaders rejected the approach. They would instead use Walmart lawyers to, quote, supervise a far more limited preliminary inquiry, end quote. So they basically downgraded the investigation to make it less intense. You can kind of come up with your own reasons as to why. I definitely have mine. I think we can, yeah. <laughs> you know you know what your, uh, what your beliefs are with that. Going back to the system with the gestores, this is kind of how that system would play out. Mexico subsidiary would find out which government officials needed to be paid off. Then, this former lawyer would tell one of the gestores who the government official was, the gestores would then receive a check from Mexico subsidiary that was made out to the gestores. The gestores would then go cash the check that was made out to them, and then they would go bring the money to the officials to essentially just pay them off. Basically, that's what they were doing. They were paying off government officials. Sometimes, if the former lawyer who is involved in all this would make the dealings, the historias would still go cash the check, but then they would bring the money back to the former lawyer, and then the former lawyer would then go to that government official and essentially buy off that, that government official. It's interesting because there was also a code that was developed to track the improper payments. Some of the descriptions of the payments were, quote, avoidance or omission of requirement, influence, control, or knowledge of privileged information in the head of the government office, and then, quote, payments to eliminate fines, end quote. And all those come from that Security and Exchanges Commission article. So at this point, the former lawyer had implicated a bunch of higher-ups in the scandal, but he also implicated himself. And in that New York Times article, it talked about how these claims were kind of unbelievable, but they were also believable because he was implicating himself. You know, why would someone make all this stuff up while implicating themselves into this illegal activity? Even though no one really wanted to believe it at the time, it was starting to seem more and more realistic. Another thing that's interesting is after that lawyer left the Mexico subsidiary, the use of histores stopped, and so they weren't going, it, like this wasn't going on when Walmart was investigating and when they started their investigation in 2005. During that investigation, it was found that the Mexico subsidiary had left out important information in their reports to Walmart, the main company. For example, in 2004, they left out in one of their reports that they paid about $4 million to one Histores. All of this information was documented at the Mexico subsidiary, but then when they would send reports to Walmart, like the headquarters of Walmart, they would change the reports to exclude any of that information. On the one hand, it makes me want to give Walmart a little leniency just because they weren't getting those reports. 
but you'll see pretty soon why that leniency that I want to give them kind, kind of goes away. In November of 2005, one Mexico subsidiary employee said that when there was a problem obtaining a license for a store, they would usually just negotiate a payment with the office of the government official. So they were, it was like, hey, we're having this trouble getting a permit or, you know, getting around this regulation. How much would it take to buy this permit? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then they would figure it out and go from there. (laughs) What? Okay, here's where my leniency kind of goes away from Walmart. Sometime in December of 2005, a report from the internal audit came out that essentially said they weren't able to determine how the funds by the Histores were used. The way they did it, if you remember, they would write a check to the Histores and then the Histores would go cash the check and then the Histores would go pay the money with the uh with the cash that they had just gotten even though there was a record of them being paid there was really no trail afterwards as to where the money went that's not super great that report came out in 2005 and a week before that another report had come out saying that laws had potentially been violated and it gave recommendations as to how to move forward and guess what Walmart didn't listen to the recommendations. And this is like the Walmart, like Walmart main company, not the Mexico subsidiary, but Walmart, the main company is not listening to these recommendations. In 2006, in March, a lawyer for the Mexico subsidiary concluded from his investigation that, quote, the corruption allegations were unsubstantiated, end quote. Okay, I don't really know about that. I'm not going to dive into that. Unsubstantiated, it seems like there was some pretty clear evidence, but who knows, maybe maybe it came out after. There were recommendations made in the report as to how to move forward, but those were not acted upon until 2011. So uh, almost five years later, those recommendations were not acted upon. Another issue found that the Mexico subsidiary would make donations to local governments right around the time when they obtained permits and licenses from those local governments, which is just super duper convenient, you know? Hey, local government, I'm going to donate this money to you. And oh my gosh, what a coincidence right around the same time you granted us a permit to build a store there. That is so crazy how those things just overlapped and intertwined. Like, oh my goodness, aren't this, you know, like, what is your star sign? Are like, are we, are, 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 are the charts of our moons in line or in sync? Like, is Mercury in retrograde? I know nothing about astrology, but maybe that's what they said as, you know, to pass off the coincidence. There were no internal accounting controls to view this, this activity And when there were internal accounting controls established to view behavior like this, it was 2011. So again, about five or six years after all this corruption had been happening. It seems to me that Walmart's inaction enabled a lot of this behavior and just getting away with a a lot of fraud. We've talked... And we've talked a lot about Mexico, and that's kind of where this huge investigation started. We talked earlier about China and how there were some concerns coming out of there, but Mexico is really where the attention started to like grow in terms of, oh, maybe there's an actual issue here. Going back to China quickly, from 2006 to early 2011, more anti-corruption weaknesses were identified. 
There were loopholes in the anti-corruption policy that excluded, quote, employees of state-owned and state-controlled enterprises from the definition of government official, end quote. So earlier we talked about how, you know, money and gifts were going to these government officials from the employees of China's subsidiary. Basically what that quote is saying is that the definition of government official excluded a lot of people who worked for the government. Essentially, that's like saying, you know what, you can't uh, give money to a government official to make them do what you want, but we are defining government official as only people on the local county board. Anybody else that works in the government, you can go bribe. So that could be your state senator, your state house representative, your U.S. representative, your U.S. senator, the president even, if you can somehow go talk to them. The definition of government official, in my mind, was purposely left broad so that this this corruption could happen. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's frustrating. So that kind of wraps up where where we're at with China at this point. So now we go to India. In 2006, Walmart conducted a review of an India partner. Anti-corruption red flags were raised pretty quickly. Walmart was worried about corrupt individuals making it difficult for them to obtain permits without a benefit, essentially payoffs. They were worried about having to pay people off to get things done. Eventually, Walmart entered the Indian marketplace with India Partner in around 2007 after doing some more reports and like trying to figure out, is this a good move? Like, is this a corrupt company? You know, how many lines are we going to have to cross to get into this market? And I mean, they must have been satisfied because they decided to go forth with it. And then starting in 2009, Walmart did internal audits and reviews of India subsidiary and India joint venture. Walmart found anti-corruption issues, but as a pattern has emerged, those, those corruption issues were not addressed. From about this time, so 2009 until 2011, Walmart relied on India Partner for, quote, permitting, licensing, and real estate matters for retail stores in India, end quote. Comes from that SEC document released in 2019. In 2011, on July 23rd, an anonymous email was sent to Walmart executives. The email was saying that there were improper payments being made to government officials. Surprise, surprise, seems to be a pretty consistent consistent pattern here, and, quote, a senior legal employee of India Joint Venture knew about the scheme, end quote. So again, we have someone else coming forth and saying, hey, these higher-ups are involved in this government bribing scheme. What the heck? And guess what? Walmart didn't conduct an investigation at the time. (laughs) What is going on? We've talked about it in other episodes. Money kind of rules the world, but you're getting complaints or you're getting reports from multiple people in multiple countries that this is happening. As a huge global company, I would think that I would want to try and figure out what these problems are and stop them so it doesn't become worse than it already is and we can like handle it. But that is not what happened here. (laughs) Because Walmart failed to implement the changes that we've, you know, we've talked about throughout this thing, Improper payments to government officials were able to be made to obtain permits and licenses in India. In their books, they were labeled pretty vaguely, such as, quote, miscellaneous fees, miscellaneous professional fees, and I think this is the uh, big breadwinner, and government fee, end quote. 
That one's not super vague to me. I guess looking back when you know the context of the story, that maybe at the time it wasn't as revealing. But when you have mysterious payments listed as government fee, in my opinion, that shows a pretty clear sign of fraud and corruption. The last country we look at is Brazil, and I'm not going to go super in-depth with this. It's essentially the same story as the other three. 2008 to 2010 is kind of when our timeline is for Brazil. A Brazil construction firm would make improper payments to Brazilian government officials. Ridiculous. If we remember back to earlier, we'll remember that Walmart was trying to figure out the best way to tackle corruption, and they drafted this policy, but then in 2005 they put it on hold. Well, it was finally revised and published again in 2008. However, it was not implemented, and then it was starting to be revised again. What is going on there? I, I can't understand. In 2010, Walmart's FCPA reviews in Brazil, India, and Mexico identified certain anti-corruption internal accounting controls. So basically, the sirens were going off in Walmart. They were like, oh, there is a lot of stuff going on. That is so strange. By 2011, Walmart recognized that what was happening wasn't, wasn't going to cut it anymore. They hired an international law firm to, quote, conduct a worldwide anti-corruption compliance review, end quote. This included Mexico, India, Brazil, and China. So that is kind of the lead up on Walmart's side into when this scandal broke. Here's the aftermath, quote, Walmart made an initial self-disclosure of the potential FCPA violations in Mexico, end quote. So basically, they self-disclosed and were like, hey, we've got these issues going on. We kind of want to let you know. I will give them some props. That is good that they came clean about it. However, this did come after about 10-ish years of, in my opinion, ignoring the problem and kind of just letting it happen. So, I mean, it's it's good that they did self-disclose, but why couldn't that have been done sooner? After disclosing what was happening in Mexico to the SEC, they voluntarily disclosed their findings about what was happening in Brazil, China, and India, which, again, is good, but they did disclose this after the commission had already begun investigating, so I don't know how much that was done out of goodwill versus... Well, you're going to discover it anyway, so here's the information up front. But regardless of what their intentions were, it does seem like Walmart was pretty cooperative throughout the investigation. I mean, it is a good thing that they were cooperative, but at the same time, what choice did they have? Because if they're not cooperative, it's only going to be worse. So I don't... So I, I hesitate to give too much credit just because it doesn't really seem like there's another good option in that situation. And eventually, Walmart agreed to a non-prosecution agreement and acknowledged responsibility for the criminal conduct that took place. So essentially, in their guilty plea, they were like, you know what, we're going to admit it, but we want to make sure that this isn't going to go to trial. The guilty plea that they eventually did take was $282 million, which is definitely a lot of money, but <laughs> there's always a but, but before we get to there... Brian A. Benskowski, who was an assistant attorney general, said, quote, 
Walmart profited from rapid international expansion, but in doing so, chose not to take necessary steps to avoid corruption, end quote. And that quote comes from another New York Times article by Corky in 2019. While the plea was uh, $289 million, the company apparently spent around $900 million trying to root out the problem and then hiring more people for compliance systems. They had to pay $282 million and then they also spent about $900 million like, on in-house things to help resolve the problem, which is good. I feel like they could have probably spent less money if, or they could have not had to have spend, spent as much money if they had handled the situation when they first heard about it, but... It was good to hear that they were actually going for a solution. And here comes the but part from earlier. Prosecutors wanted the the fines that Walmart was going to have to pay to be six hundred million dollars more than what they were th- than what they were fined. But Walmart was able to negotiate a lower fine. And you may be asking yourself, you know, what the heck? Why? Like, why were they able to do that? They had corruption around the world. It probably had something to do with the fact that President Trump was in office at the time and he had previously publicly criticized the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. And I'm in no way saying that Donald Trump helped in this case or President Trump helped in this case, but I am saying you have to take the political context in at the time. And since there was such opposition to this act from the president at the time, it was a lot easier for a big corporation to argue against it. And then the other but to that is, today, Walmart operates in 24 countries and is continuing to expand. In 2020, Walmart's net sales in US dollars was $519.93 billion, according to Statista.com. So again, they got fined $282 million and their net sales in U.S. dollars, so from around the world, but in U.S. dollars, their sales were $519.93 billion. I just did some quick math, and I'm pretty sure my math is correct. What is the percentage of $282 million to $519 billion? It's 0.00005% of that money. So they got fined 0.0005% of their net sales for this huge corruption scandal. And their net sales for 2019 were pretty similar to 2020. I'm just going with the most recent number that I had. That punishment is not even a drop in the bucket. And I mean, it. I will say it does sound like Walmart is trying to better themselves from this scandal. In my opinion, in this case, the punishment does not fit the crime, considering how much money they were able to make by expanding through illegal means and through, you know, bribing foreign officials. The money that they got fined has, it it has no impact on, on their company. And I'm not saying I want Walmart to go out of business by any means, but I am saying that their punishment was not proportional at all to to what happened and it's so frustrating when that happens and that concludes walmart and a 282.7 million dollar global settlement i know this this one had a lot of technical information in it so i hope i did a good job trying to put it in a context that was easier to understand because when i was researching it it took me a while to understand it just reading it And as I was going through this episode, I was thinking to myself, what's a way I can like explain it 
to where it puts it in easier terms to understand because I had to read that document probably four or five times through just to get the basic understanding of what was happening and I had to like look up terms and all those things so I hope I made it a little easier to understand than just going out and reading that complex document because it was not necessarily a fun read <laughs> but it was interesting to learn about this scandal. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you would like to keep up with the latest, stay in touch on social media. I'm going to post pictures that I can find that relate to this case. I have no idea what those are going to be, but I'll find some. On Instagram, you can find us at Scandal101Podcast. On Twitter, at Scandal101Pod. Facebook, if you search Scandal101Podcast, you should find our Facebook page. Our website is scandal101podcast.podbean.com. And then if you have a suggestion for a scandal that you would like me to look into, you can send that to our email at scandal101podcast at gmail.com. Once again, I want to thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and this has been episode 14 of Scandal 101.